grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. The text for our gospel proclamation today comes from the Old Testament reading of Malachi chapter 3, verses 13 through 18. Your words have been hard against me, says the Lord. But you say, have we spoken against you? You've said, it is vain to serve God. What is the profit of keeping his charge or of walking as in mourning before the Lord of hosts? And now we call the arrogant blessed, evildoers not only prosper, but they put God to the test and they escape? Then those who feared the Lord spoke with one another. The Lord paid attention and heard them. And a book of remembrance was written before him of those who feared the Lord and esteemed his name. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, in the day when I make up my treasured possession. And I will spare them as a man spares his son who serves him. Then once more you shall see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked. Between the one who serves God and the one who does not serve him. The word of the Lord. Our gospel proclamation for the Old Testament reading that I just finished reading for you is titled, What Have We Done? What did I say? What do you mean? What's wrong with that? What's your problem? People that use these statements like a cudgel can be quite offensive and difficult to handle emotionally. Some are rebellious individuals that just look for a way to disrupt people's lives. Like my friend who told me over lunch one day with a grin on his face, sometimes I just wake up thinking of ways that I can stir people up. Others have easily offended natures and the littlest thing can set them off. Then they can't understand why you got so upset in return. After all, they were the victim. Like another friend of mine that really had me walking on eggshells until I finally realized I just had to meet his energy level and then he would back right down. Then there are those who just say inappropriate things. And their attempts at humor and sarcasm just fall flat on people who do not know them well enough to get it. Like my friend who will say just about anything. He's totally harmless if you know him and quite a joy to be around most of the time. But those that don't know him well are easily offended by a first time encounter with him. The funniest part is he knows this and actually uses it as a tool to size others up and see what kind of people they really are. All three of these friends, believe it or not, are pastors. And I guess they are my friends because on any given day, I'm either one of them or all three of them at once. That's probably why we're all still friends deep down. We deserve each other. Let me be the first to publicly apologize if you have met me in these untoward situations. 
mea culpa, mea culpa, mea culpa. Now, don't get me wrong. I have been working on my obvious character flaws, and I am much better than I was, well, at least yesterday. But sometimes people just have to take me as I am. Because deep down, you are what you are, even if you're better than others at concealing it. At the end of it all, every one of us is a sinner and a saint who can be hard to deal with on any given day. What's really hard is when God has to confront the hardness of your heart in order to change you so he can redeem you. Your words have been hard against me, says the Lord. No doubt about it, they were. But their response was the classic euphemism, What did I say? Whatever do you mean? What was wrong with that? What did I do? It's as if they honestly thought they could shoot off their mouths with no consequence for the offense it gave to God, and they were saying things like, How have you loved us? Have we wearied you? And probably the most offensive at all. It is vain to serve God. It's vain to serve God? Exodus 20, verse 7, and Deuteronomy 5, verse 11, taught them a thousand years earlier. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. This was taught by the priest, prayed with their parents, and they all grew up in households that strictly forbid using God's name like a byword. And yet, they stand in our text today incredulous. Whatever do you mean? Well, what's wrong with that? What did I do? Talk about adding salt to the wounds. God was already cut by his insolent and ungrateful children. Words are hard because they can elicit the actions we are most ashamed of admitting we do with little or no thought whatsoever. We say exasperated, why do people get away with it? You know, the really bad ones. And why do bad things happen to good people? This was the prophet Jonah's problem. After his stay in the belly of a fish for his sin, he wanted the sinners of Nineveh to be punished even worse than he was. But God relented because Nineveh repented. And that was why Jonah didn't want to preach to them in the first place because he was afraid they would indeed be spared. This was the disciples' problem. When parents were bringing their children to Jesus and the disciples rebuked them. Children didn't rate in Jesus' day, so getting with the local rabbi was no way. And the disciples were certain of that. But Jesus said, I am the way. And they need my way. Because that's what I say. And this is our problem, too. When we say things like, who would ever want to bring a child into this world? Why does God allow evil to prosper? Why do bad things happen to good people? 
Granted, it all looks like cause and effect, but it isn't. Joseph could easily have thought this way. After one silly dream, they got jealous. Granted, it was a dream that illustrated Joseph's superiority over his senior brothers, but they were not having it. Now, they say that maturity is when you have the power to destroy someone who did you wrong, but you just breathe, walk away, and let life take care of them. Joseph's brothers showed no such restraint or maturity, except Reuben. And they sought to destroy their little brother by selling him into slavery. Joseph's captivity as a servant led to a false accusation of attempted rape by the lady of the house, which led to time in prison, which led to his gift of interpreting dreams to eventually interpreting Pharaoh's dreams, which led to a prediction of a worldwide famine, which led to his promotion to manage the kingdom's storage of grain, which led to feeding anyone in the world who would come to Egypt, which led his brothers to Egypt for food. When his brothers came before him, he was now indeed superior to his senior brothers as viceroy to the Pharaoh himself. And when the brothers realized who he was, they feared for their lives, for he would surely kill them. And there were no statements from them like, why, what did I do? For they knew exactly what they did and exactly what they deserved. But Joseph didn't do what they deserved. Because even after all they did, he still loved them, saying, You meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. My dear brothers and sisters in Christ, such wisdom and maturity in the face of such injustice can only come from God. To see that if God allows it, he meant it for good. Can you look back? And see the broken bones that life handed you. And then how in the healing process you were made stronger than you would have been without the difficult transition. What didn't kill you made you stronger. Anything worth having is worth working for. You can't see the view from the top unless you go through the pain of climbing the mountain. Losing everything to see you never lost anything in Christ. But I think we can all agree, hindsight is always clearest with the suffering in the past. And some suffering can even be impossible to be comforted in without the hope of eternity. This is what the Judeans, the Israelites, and the sons of Levi in Malachi's day had lost. They thought they earned God's favor. They thought anyone less than they didn't. In a word, they denied who they really were, and in so doing, denied who God is. 
but God didn't. God remembered who they really were, sinners, and who he really is, their savior. Then God tells them something that would ring in their ancestors' ears when his only begotten son would appear. I will spare them as a man spares his son who serves them. Four centuries later, their eternal father would make all of them sons again, not sparing his eternal son by sacrificing him in their place. You can almost imagine the collective gasp of God's people. This was his son? What have we done? And God's loving reply. You've done nothing. I've done everything. You meant it for evil. I meant it for good. To save the whole world. Amen. Now may that peace which surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus always. Amen.